0: We're in a series right now on the book of Exodus. Uh, if you want just kind of one place to camp out in, we're gonna be going phrase by phrase through just a few verses in Exodus 19. It's gonna take us a few minutes to get there. So you can open your app if you would, if you got your Bible with you and uh, it's actually made of paper and you still do that, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, you can go to Exodus 19, that'll make your life easier. But we're looking today at one of the most crucial moments in our history as it relates to the relationship of God and his people. And relationship is the key word because in the midst of all of this grandiose story, I mean, think about this story for a moment. Moses, hidden as a baby in a basket in the bulrushes. That's the beginning of the story. And then found by royalty, raised as royalty, And God throughout this story is beckoning his people. He's beginning this relationship with his people. He wants all of his people to be drawn into this relationship. So in the middle of all of the craziness of this story, he is saying, will you trust enough in what you have seen to have a relationship with the unseen i mean in the middle of all of these bizarre elements of a of a bush that would not burn of a staff that gets turned into a snake of water that gets turned into blood all the plagues the passover all of the things that happening it's god beginning this relationship with an entire group of people and drawing them to himself i would even say wooing them with all the things that he's doing and then think of this he's leading them in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night And performed what in the Jewish culture they would say is the greatest miracle in history, and that's the parting of the Red Sea. They're so close. That's not the greatest miracle in history anymore. We're celebrating the greatest miracle in history in just a few weeks. The fact that he is risen from the dead, that God sent his son and resurrected him. The Red Sea was awesome, but bringing Jesus back to life and paying for our sins was so much more. But from the book of Exodus, from Jesus till now, he's drawing us in. He's saying, listen, I've drawn you out of Egypt to pull you into a relationship with myself. Will you trust enough of what you see? to be in a relationship with the unseen. And then we have this miraculous provision in the form of water and manna and quail and with every supernatural act of God, this whole thing is not about God showing off. This whole thing is about God beckoning his people, drawing people into a relationship with himself, saying, will you trust me now? Will you trust me now? Will you trust from what you've seen to be in a relationship with the unseen and all the elements of the story happen and God brings his people through the desert, through this several weeks journey now after the plagues to the base of a mountain that we're going to call Sinai. It's actually a mountain region. It's called the mountains of Sinai and no one knows exactly what mountain this story that we're talking about today happened on. I mean, if you were to go on a tour, if you're to go on a journey and somebody says, that's Mount Sinai, it's probably not Mount Sinai. You can go with it. You can get your selfie in front of it if you want, but it may probably not be the mountain. But one guy knows which mountain they're going to because of a promise that God has given him because of the promise that God gave to Moses in Exodus chapter three, verse 12, God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I've got to think at some point while he's leading hundreds of thousands of people through the wilderness, that at some point on that wilderness road, Moses, must have put his eyes up on the horizon and seen just the beginning of that mountain in the distance, that mountain that God promised him. And I imagine Moses with all of those people just bowing and shaking his head and smiling and saying, God has done it. He's kept his promise because God is beginning a relationship with his people. Will you trust enough of what you see to be in a relationship with the unseen in the next few moments i want you to consider the story of what happens at mount sinai perhaps in a little different way than you have before you may know elements of this story but i want you to think of it if you would as a wedding ceremony and i want you to think about what god has done up till now as a time of dating his people now you might think this is the weirdest courtship I have ever heard. Do people still use the word courting? Probably not. This is the weirdest courtship I've ever heard of. And, and it doesn't match up exactly to how we would date one another, to how you dated your spouse once upon a time, or how you're hoping to be dating someone right now and you're kind of scanning the room, whatever is going on in your life. But I want you to think about this as a dating relationship, wishing you had sat in another section. I get I know we've, we've, some of us have been there and, and it works out, don't worry. It doesn't work out quite that perfectly because this is God. This is the divine introducing himself to a people. So why do you keep saying it like that? Well, because in Genesis... We know him as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's had individual conversations with different people. He's even had an individual conversation with Moses, several of them, as a matter of fact. And that one that begins there in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, it, it actually begins with an introduction. Did you know that with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were never given a name for this God that they were talking to? But there at the burning bush, God gave Moses one name, the I am, and then he gave him this other name that we have grown to call Yahweh. It's actually a name that in Hebrew could not even really be pronounced. But God, at the beginning of this courtship, he has introduced himself to these to these people. And now he's introduced himself by name to Moses to say, I know that you've known me as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I've been here all along. When you didn't know him, he was watching you. What did Pastor Brian say to us a few weeks ago? That he saw you. You matter to him. He noticed you. In the case of the children of Israel, he saw their suffering. He saw their pain. He saw their slavery. He saw their grief. And we want you, every single one of you who's listening to my voice today, know God sees you and he notices you. And whether or not you've known him in a personal way up till now, he has known you and he is just as close to you as the breath in your lungs. And the challenge today, will you trust enough in what you've seen? to be in a relationship with the unseen and the children of Israel have cried out in their slavery and God has heard their cry and he sends Moses and now Moses gets to the people and he has a a message from God in Exodus chapter six that's going to throw some shade, if you will, towards what's gonna happen in Exodus chapter 19. But I want you to see this language in Exodus chapter six because again, this is God dating his people. Listen to this. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Now look at this language for just a minute, okay? This is before the plagues. And I know we focus on the mighty acts, on the outstretched arm, on the acts of judgment. Those make the big parts of the story. But listen to what God says. I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God. He's drawing them in. He's saying, I want to be in a relationship with you. Even in the Old Testament, don't miss that in all the big and crazy miraculous things that all along it's been about God wanting to be in relationship with his people. It's a God who's in love with his people. And he says to them, I'll bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I mean, these people now, as you know, they've been in slavery. They've been in slavery for over 400 years. And ever since this story, the Israelites experienced it literally, but ever since this story, Egypt has represented those burdens. Egypt is the antagonist. Egypt is the oppressor. That person in your life right now who is your antagonist, your oppressor, those circumstances right now that lay heavy on you, that is Egypt in your life. And some of you, those circumstances have have been cast on with those bricks, brick upon brick of addiction, of abuse, of of bondage to, to something in this world, to despair. And with every brick, you feel the heaviness, whatever it may be in your life. Some of you have experienced loss and grief and those moments have led to doubt and eroded your faith and your trust and brick upon brick have been stacked up upon you and your burdens are just getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And whenever that's happening in Egypt, there is this temptation to believe that you've been overlooked by God, but the news for you today is that you haven't been that he sees you, that he's noticed you. And too many people, too many people who are followers of Jesus, they get to points in their lives where they give up on trusting him and they live like they are still back in Egypt. And God has called to his people and he says, I want to deliver you from those burdens. So we've been talking about in this series, as Pastor Brian has said so many times, the the name Moses literally means to draw out. So we've been using the phrase, God wants to draw you out to draw you in. What does he want to draw you into? Ultimately a relationship with him because he wants you to be free from whatever Egypt is in your life, from whatever that burden is in your life. He has come to set you free. And once you have been set free, you are free indeed if you will continue in that freedom. God fights for his people. I mean, it's an amazing courtship. I mean, I don't know if you ever had to beat some dude up to get him off your woman so that you could, you could have all the access to her, that you could be the only person dating her. I don't know if you had to like push somebody away if you had to do that. I hope you did it in Jesus name. And if you did, I just, I just want you to know that you're modeling a God who's known as the lover of our souls, but man, he fought. He fought off Pharaoh. He parted the sea and he brought the people to this mountain. Remember that he has been leading them in this cloud by day and this fire by night. And now when you get to the mountain, the cloud and the fire, it's like they they combine into this smoke. And this smoke is billowing and see kind of fire in it and it's just... It's God's presence hovering over this mountain. God, again, saying to his people, do you believe enough in what you see? Think about what they've seen. To have a relationship with the unseen. And so with the presence of God hanging and hovering over this mountain, we get... This passage of scripture known as the Mosaic covenant. And to this day, it's still used in weddings all over the world. In fact, almost every time I officiate a wedding, I use a part of this passage because God has been dating his people and he's about to make his proposal. And here it is in Exodus 19 verse 2. There, Israel encamped before the mountain. Now, the the mountain that was promised. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain saying, here's what you say to the house of Jacob, to the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. How I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the people of Israel. This is God's proposal. He begins by saying, you yourselves have seen. You've seen it. Now, will you trust enough in what you've seen to have a relationship with the unseen? They can see the smoke. They can see the the fire over the mountain. It's God's presence. He wants to cover them. He wants his presence to be over top of them forever. You've seen what I have done. You've seen what I did to Egypt. You know what I did when you were slaves for over 400 years. Can you imagine a circumstance Maybe you have a circumstance right now that is so prevalent in your life that you just think it's always gonna be this way. There's nothing I can do about this. I would imagine that after 400 plus years, there had to be Israelites making bricks who just said, it's always going to be like this. This is just what my family does. And some of you have Egypt in your life even now that you would describe that way. It's just too much. The burden is just too big. We'll never be able to overcome this. The the debt is too big. The loss is too much. The despair, the grief is too much. And what does God do with Egypt that people think will never ever end? God demolishes it. As he goes after his people, as he goes to draw his people to himself. The next phrase in this passage, he says, I bore you on eagle's wings. That's, I carried you on eagle's wings. Some of you know, if you've heard me speak before, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Tolkien's Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and all this kind of stuff. I don't know if you've ever, if you've not read the books, you should go do that today. Read the Bible and then go read those books. It'd be awesome. <laughs> And Tolkien, of course, uh, wrote this in a coffee house outside of London while C.S. Lewis is writing Narnia Chronicles and those kinds of things. And these guys are sharing notes together and and all these things. It's, it's, It's amazing. And so they're both pointing many times to things that we see in God's word, to things that we know to be true about God. And I don't know if you've ever watched Lord of the Rings, if you've ever read a book or even in The Hobbit. There are these moments where the hero of the story is in absolutely impossible circumstance. And then all of a sudden, an eagle shows up. I love those eagles. They come out of nowhere. But there's a little bit of me that says, listen, Frodo should have died. Because how did the eagles know what to do? How did the eagles know where to go? And Tolkien, who was trying to point to scripture, is actually pointing exactly to Exodus chapter 19. There is nothing for you to do but allow him to do his deliverance and to rescue you to just say, yes, I am going to accept your plan. Yes, I receive your plan. Yes, I receive your presence. Yes, I receive that relationship. This covenant is one of unexplainable grace. God, sometimes he chooses to deliver his people, to rescue his people. When circumstances are at their worst is when he seems to do his best. In the next phrase, he says, I brought you to myself. Can you you catch this now? Outside of all of the the big moments, the big miracles, the plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, all all of the big things and underneath all of it is a God who keeps saying, I'm bringing you to me. I want you to live with me I want you in my presence. I want you underneath my covering. This cloud by day and this fire by night that now has created this smoke over top of the mountain to this day in wedding ceremonies is repeated. Did you realize this? I mean, even people who, who don't know the Savior, even people who don't know the story of God People who said, I'm not getting married in a church because I'm just not doing that, all right? If you got married under a tree or a gazebo of some kind, you walked out and most likely the wedding coordinator had you stand under something. You may not even know it, but it's a reference back to Exodus 19 where God is saying, my presence Will cover you. If you will accept me, my presence will cover you. And brides and grooms today stand under those hoopas as a nod back to Exodus 19. Sometimes in Jewish culture they'll they'll stand under a prayer shawl, but they'll stand under some type of covering. And God's desire, what he is making known in this moment is that for everyone he has lovingly created, he wants them to be under his presence. And I don't know about you, but I have come to believe that I can survive any circumstance and any hardship because of the promise of his presence. You have probably lived long enough by now to deal with a circumstance you don't understand. You have probably lived long enough by now to have questions for God about something. You have probably lived long enough by now to have dealt with unanswered prayer. And we certainly have those things in our lives and in our house. But can I tell you, we can move forward with a God and proclaim that he is faithful and that all his promises are yes and amen because there's never been a moment where I've had to doubt his presence. Even when I can't see him, even when I don't know what he's doing, I have seen enough to trust in a relationship with the unseen. And God is saying, I'm inviting you I'm inviting you to have my presence over every area of your life. Psalm chapter 41 says, the psalmist says, you know me inside and out. You hold me together. You never fail to stand me tall in your presence so I can look you in the eye. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 51. He says, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. And I don't know how you're gonna answer all the other prayers, but please don't cast me away from your presence. So when the prophet is telling that Jesus is coming, what is the, one of the key names that they give to Jesus the Savior? They give him the name Emmanuel. What does the name Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. And then when Jesus is on the earth, he says it's actually going to be better for you when I leave because when I leave, then we're sending somebody else and today we have the promise of the presence of the spirit of God who gives us our comfort, our strength and the the peace, the shalom of God over every single area of our lives. And he's promised to never leave us or forsake us from that, from back in the beginning of time to the beginning of the relationship with his people, back to the base of the mountain of Sinai. God is inviting his people into his presence, the covering of his presence is his proposal. He's introduced himself. There's been a little bit of dating. He fought off the others. And now he's saying, I'm offering you my presence. And understand that I'm just making an analogy with this next statement, okay? But Sinai is God on one knee. Sinai is not just this big and terrible moment with the smoke over the mountain. Sinai is God on one knee. Any of you guys ever had to make the speech? You know the speech I'm talking about where you get down on one knee and you hold that little cracker box, cracker jack ring you got And you just say, do you remember the first time we met? She never remembers it, but the guy does. (laughs) I saw you first. I noticed you. Oh, and I can't tell you what it did when you turned and noticed me. I remember when you finally turned and looked, God says, at the bush that wouldn't burn up. I asked you to take your shoes off. I knew it was weird, but it had to be done. Remember the first time I said my name, the look on your face. I promised you I would care for you. I promised you I would relieve you of the burdens. Do you remember all that I did to set you free? I promised you I would rescue you. I promised you I would provide For you. Now here we are. Will you trust enough in what you've seen to be in a relationship with the unseen? I think every guy can relate to that. Have I done enough yet? Are we at the right point in this relationship for me to make this proposal? God has laid the groundwork of what He hoped would be this moment where the people of God would say yes. If. The next phrase. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be a treasured possession among all peoples. For though all the earth was mine, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, girls, if he says if. If leave him on his knee and walk away. Just so you know. All right. This is not a bait and switch. There's not a condition here. There's no hidden clause here. Remember God has done all the work. He has performed the miracles. He's carried them on Eagle's wings. He's made the offering of his presence. This covenant is one. The foundation of this covenant is one of complete grace. This statement of if you will indeed obey my voice and and keep my commandments is not one that says, if you send the deals off, it's not one that says you have to earn the gift of this covenant. He is asking his people if they will remain in a posture of being able to receive his love and his grace from this day forward and sickness or in health for richer, or for poorer, for as long as we both shall live and he is infinite and eternal and he is making that offer to his people in this moment. Sinai is God on one knee saying, if you'll have me, if you'll have me, I'll cover you with my presence. Pastor John Piper says the obedience, this obedience that God is asking for here is not earning God's grace. It's the evidence of love for God's grace. All he's asking for is trust. Galatians chapter five, verse six, the apostle Paul wrote down the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Will you trust enough of what you've seen to be in a relationship with the unseen And he says, I will make of you my treasured possession. All the earth is mine, but I will make you a treasure of treasures. And then he has this phrase at the end that I wish we had more time to get into, but he says, I will make of you a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And I want you to notice that for just a moment. I love this word priest. My favorite definition of the word priest is from an author by the name of Ronald Roheiser. He says that a priest is someone who reflects the face of God. The idea here is that God is drawing me in a relationship close enough to be close enough to him that I can reflect him to the world. And in Exodus 19, verse eight, the people said, sure, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They receive his presence, but catch this for just a moment. The Exodus story is not just a history lesson. The Mosaic covenant is not just something to know. So maybe you can feel smart about Bible knowledge or anything like that. It is still God's desire to this day to draw out his people so that they can be with him in an ever present relationship. It is still God's desire to this day that his presence would be over every area of your life. And Peter picks up the phrase, that's why I wanted you to notice it. In first Peter chapter two, he's talking about Jesus as the cornerstone of our faith. And he says, for those who have received Jesus, he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light it's as if again with peter's writing we're standing at the base of sinai with god wooing us to himself drawing us to himself saying listen i will make you a treasure of treasures I will pull you out of darkness and you will reflect me to the world. I will show you my light. You will reflect my light to the world. I want your, I want my presence to be over every single area of your life. He is still beckoning us to this day. The next verse that Peter writes down, he says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, mercy, But now you have received mercy. We're not at Sinai anymore. The principle remains that God wants his presence over every area of our lives. And the reason we're not at Sinai anymore is because in Jesus, the promise has been kept. In Jesus, we have access to God every single minute of every single day. In Jesus, every area of your life can be covered with the presence of God. In Jesus, anything that would be Egypt in your life can be demolished. It doesn't have to be this way anymore. Don't settle. Don't settle and say, this is just how we do things. Don't settle and say, I can't help myself. Don't settle and say, our marriage is just going to end. There's nothing else we can do. Don't settle and say, one day my kids will come back. Don't settle and say, one day I'll give up that hurt, that habit that's killing me. Don't, don't settle and say, one day I'll come out of this depression. One day I'll get over this anxiety. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to demolish Every little bit of Egypt in your life and in his resurrection, the promise has been kept. It's been kept. (laughs) I would invite you, if you would, to bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment. And I want you right now to get in your head and in your heart that thing that is burdening you right now. I don't know what it is. That Egypt in your life And we we want to create a moment at the end of this service to allow every single one of you to invite the presence of God over every area of your life. So I want to invite those people who are going to be holding our makeshift hoopas here around the room to go get in place with every head bowed and every eye closed. We have group leaders and elders and staff members who are gonna be holding up these rabbinical prayer shawls as examples, as illustrations of God's presence. And we'd love to invite every single one of you in this room to pray under one of these before you leave this room today and invite the presence of God over your life. Not all of you, but some of you have had brick upon brick built up in your life in Egypt. And today God wants to demolish it. Some of your marriages are on the brink and you got married once upon a time under a covering, but you have not been living under that covering. And I want to invite husbands and wives to go pray fresh and new, renew your vows, renew your love, commit to putting Christ at the center of your home underneath one of these coverings. Some of you are students here today, and you're just like, listen, I go to school every day and there's not a whole lot of Jesus in my school. And I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing the best I can every single day in middle school in high school in college. We invite you to come pray and just ask that God's presence would be over your life as you go to those places, as you go to work tomorrow morning, You are carrying the truth of God with you as you go to that place. Some of you are going to work later today. We would invite you to ask that God's presence would be so upon you that as you go to those places, it cannot be denied. We want to give every single one of you a chance to renew and refresh God's presence over your life. For some, Egypt is going to fall. For some, you're gonna walk out of here with a new hope and joy with confidence of his presence and the God that never left. For some of you, you might say, you know what? I've never received a relationship with God. And today I would say to you, you can come to one of these stations and say, I want someone to pray with me right now for salvation. And these folks are ready to do it. For the rest of you, after I pray in just a moment, we're gonna give you the chance, every single one of you to come and pray under one of these hoopas and invite the presence of God. We want you to just come quietly and just stand. You can just pray on your own. You don't have to do this if you're weirded out. You can do this in your, in your seat you can do this if you're online, maybe you, wherever you're sitting watching this message, you just want to turn your palms up and invite the presence of God, but if you're in the room, we want to give you the chance to do it here. And these elders, these group leaders, these pastors, when you're done praying, just look up at them, and they're going to pray a, a prayer of blessing over you from number six, a prayer that Moses gave to Aaron. And we can go out of here today, confident and joyful. We've been in his presence and it goes with us. God, we ask today that your presence would be strong in this place. Spirit of God, move, refresh us, renew us. For some who need to have Egypt conquered in their life, would you conquer it today? And we'll give you all the praise and glory for what you're gonna do in these next few moments. In Jesus' name. Amen.